Much like the whole Abercrombie vibe, yeah. this doc did nothing for me. <laughs> I don't get the hype. And by the end, I felt a little bit scammed. I think this doc is a little bit scammy. So... <laughs> Hello, Patrick Hines. Oh, fam, come, come, come to Obsessed Fest. I don't know how many more times I'm going to say it. Well, until a couple, about a month. I know. About a month. There's real manic energy happening in the office today because we're in full-on Obsessed Fest mode. I walked into a wall of everyone just like, everything's fine, Jillian. And I'm like, oh, I I, I sure hope so. No, it's going to be amazing. It's September 30th to October 2nd, Columbus, Ohio. Everyone is coming. It's you and me, Ellen and Joey, Damian Eccles and Lori. It's going to be amazing. Bob Ruff, Robbie Chaudhry, Maggie Freeling, Daisy Egan. During the day, we're doing all the festival programming, so it's all the live recordings. Yeah. Red Handed is doing a live podcast recording that they're like prepping for their European tour. Oh my God. Let's go to courts doing a live Fun. recording. You and Damien and Bob are doing a whole main stage about the West Memphis Three. Yeah, and then me and Damien and Lori are just going to also just like chat a little bit. Yes, too. you're doing like a separate other Q&A where you're just yeah, chatting. Yeah, just hanging out. I'm doing my Taylor Swift sing-along where it's in the Facebook group, so if you want to vote, yes. and like let me know what songs you're into. Yes. You know. And then at night, we're doing live shows. Scamfluencers, Obsessed with Disappeared, Morbid, and True Crime Obsessed. Oh boy. And then we're closing the whole thing down with one epic drag brunch. So yeah. there's still a few tickets left. Obsessedfest.com. Get your ticks. All right. We'll see you there. Yeah. Other than that, if you want more Jillian and me, please join us on the Patreon. Yeah? Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I'm there. I'm there every week. So if that's something you're interested in. It's over 350 full ad-free bonus apps to download a binge right this second. Yeah. We're talking like the jinx and the staircase. And I want to say things that we have haven't talked about a lot. I was on thinking this. about that today. Well, like Relentless yeah. and Murder Among the Mormons, yes. Puppet Master, Love Fraud. Oh, Love Fraud was amazing. It was yeah. a team of like lady vigilante hunters or whatever they're There's called. It's like a bounty hunter. Bounty hunters. That's what they are. Her name are. is Carla. She's yeah. out here for your shit. If you want to learn all about her, which I highly recommend you do, she's on the page. What was the one in the national parks? Wild Crime. Wild on Crime. Hulu. Where the guy like pushed his wife off a cliff and then like tried to get away with it. Bananas. And he's killed other women before. Yes, he's yes, a horrible yes. person. Yeah, go to patreon.com slash truecrimeobsessed. You get all of that content to download and binge right this second. There's an ad-free tier for these episodes. Yeah. You got a, There's an after-party tier where we just hang out and talk to you. Yeah, or sometimes we give you advice or yeah. you ask us questions and we just hang. That's it. The Pates is where it's at. It's that's a party. It. Everyone's invited. If you yeah. want to come, please come. Please. If you don't, that's fine, too. That's fine, too. Whatever. All right, let's, we gotta get. we got to get to the thing. Oh, God. girl, what are we talking about today? White Hot, the rise and fall of Abercrombie and Fitch. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. Honestly, like, they're racist and whatever, but this is insane. I mean, here's, do you remember the Abercrombie catalog that yes. came out every, like, couple of months? The, I remember, the, this is going to sound so stupid, but I remember, like, the paper was really thick and beautiful yes. and probably yes. terrible for the earth. 100, it was like, a, it was porn. It was sophomore yeah. porn. It was very gay. Yeah. We're going to get to this eventually, but I don't understand why, like, it went right over the general public's head how homoerotic the whole Abercrombie brand was, but the gays, 100% knew. Right, and the girls, like, the girls in the gay had the same idea. They were like, look at all those men. Everyone was looking at the same thing and no one realizes this is pretty gay. It's pretty fucking gay. Yeah. I was not into the Abercrombie and Fitch. That was not really my thing. Are no, you shocked? I am exactly who they didn't want. I was like the not hot kid who thought I'd be better looking if I wore Abercrombie. You would have been in the impact <laughs> section, <laughs> Which stocking means the store working room. in the back storeroom, yeah. fam. But you are white, so you might have had a shot. That's true. Because they're racist. If you weren't wearing Abercrombie, you weren't cool. 
just remember the pressure to fit in or just being like, oh, I wish I had that Abercrombie thing. I don't feel this way now, but then it was very cool to kind of look like everyone else. There was a guy, blonde hair, blue eyed, just shredded like he was carved out of granite and he wore Abercrombie and Fitch. What it was selling was aspirational? Aspirational. 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 This like perfect image of an all-American youth. And I would walk past Abercrombie like, what is so special about this store? It is so thin and white. Fraternity, boarding school, wasp, upper crust, preppy with money. There's a reason why people liked that brand. It's because exclusion is part of our society. So right at the top, we meet a bunch of the former models, and they're talking about the bags. Remember the bags were also like softcore porn? Well, what they're explaining is that all of the models were naked in all of the images, but they're selling clothes. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is kind of genius. Also, eventually we're going to get this company's backstory. I had no idea. Oh, there's a whole thing. It's so crazy. But it's also, people are saying, like, the clothes were nothing special, you know? <laughs> it was all about, like, the name over the clothes, and that's what I hated so much I about know. it. You couldn't just get, like, a plain shirt. Everything had to have Abercrombie on it or some stupid racist graphic. Or, it's like, true. I, it, I was not into that. But people were obsessed, and, like, kids were covering their school books with it in the a way lockers. where, like, their lockers. But the, people who were able to figure out how to fold the paper so that the spine of the book got the perfect Abercrombie thing, that's a yeah. level of Steve Tipton genius I could never achieve. Yeah, I knew people who for sure had the cutouts in their locker but the book covering is a whole new level you're absolutely right but then we get this thing where it's like well the models were real people you could be just like them and I'm like I'm sorry what I gotta tell you I knew a girl who actually got like an Abercrombie gig like she never became like a famous model and she only did one shoot but she did have a photo appear like in a catalog wow it's crazy wow like she was like at a Burger King or whatever and someone was like you'd be a great and like bada boom bada bing she was like well that's how this documentary starts which is the recruiter recruiting us like we're at a mall Totally. And doing exactly that at the Burger King. (laughs) But then we get video of these preppy dudes like repping where they're from, and one of them is like, PA, baby. Amish County. PA. New York, New York. 719. Pittsburgh. Dallas, Texas. Connecticut. What up? It's Amish country, baby. (laughs) Connecticut. And I'm like, oh, shit. Everyone cover your drinks. The roofies are a flowing. Holy shit. Amish country, baby. Connecticut, baby! Connecticut, baby! Woo! (laughs) What's the zip code of Connecticut? I have 90210. I have no idea. I mean, the area code. They'd be like, 718, baby! Like, whoa. (laughs) Hey, Chad, you're from Connecticut, and your mom needs you home in 45 minutes, sweetheart. I just don't know how it's taken us five years to get cameras in the booth. How has it taken us that long? Oh, fuck. We're on camera. No, don't remember that. That's so... You're doing great. We also hear about all these famous people, like, before they were famous. Like, Jennifer Lawrence and... Ashton Kutcher and January Jones and Taylor Swift, who was part of their Rising Stars campaign. And I'm like, that's interesting. And then they slut shame Taylor Swift with a shirt that says, I have more boyfriends than T-Swift. And then they eventually had to remove it. So <laughs> thanks a lot, Abercrombie. Also, thanks like, for nothing. who knew January Jones was at once a brunette? I didn't know that. She was? Yeah, she was like, in, in her Abercrombie picture, she's a brunette. Oh, she has like straight brown hair. Yeah, it was all these famous people. Jennifer Lawrence, Channing Tatum, Ashton Kutcher. That's, I knew about that the I Ashton knew. Kutcher thing. Yeah. Holy shit. Then we learn about like, who told everyone everyone what was cool back then and it was like MTV in the mall yeah. and then we get 15 minutes of people explaining what a mall is and I'm yeah. like wait a second are what are we at the I know. time I know. 
know. on this earth, the year of our fucking Lord, and people don't know what a mall I know. is. I... And because someone's like, imagine like a search engine that you could walk through, or a you know an online catalog that's an actual place. It's like a search engine you could walk I through. Know. And I'm like. <laughs> Who are they explaining this to? I know. The thing is, I'm not going to talk about your accent anymore because I know you hate it. Everyone hates it. But the mall, it's just like, I think it's it's just your queens. It's the the mall. The mall. It's fit. But it's also like explaining what it is. I know. I'm getting worked up about it. When we were in Orlando doing a show, we went to like an old mall complex where this comedy club was. It was, there was nothing. Everything was shuttered. It's like one of the, you know how people like go to abandoned hospitals and take photos and get creeped out. That's what the mall is now. I know, it's true. It's like walking through like, oh, this used to be the food court. And if you listen closely, you could still hear Abby McGonagall crying in the hallway because her shift was canceled or whatever. I know, but I mean, like, it was a nice little trip down memory lane to see, a, like, a functioning mall. I loved the mall I growing up. I would go up. to a mall now. Did you go to a mall when you were growing up? Well, there's the Manhattan Mall on 34th Street. <laughs> That's not a real mall. It's not a real no. mall at all. Um, and then, yeah, like, yeah, there was, you know, Roosevelt Field and there are some places in Queens like Bay Terrace. Uh-huh. Okay. But that's not really, it's like a shopping center. <laughs> that's not a mall. Roosevelt Field is a mall. If you have to go outside to get to the next door, you're not at a mall. Okay, so Bay Terrace is out. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing that we learned about the mall. Specialty stores enabled you to be very, very specific about what you went shopping for. You can go to Hot Topic if you were kind of punkish. You could go to Sun if you wanted more of that surfer look. You could go to Abercrombie & Fitch if you wanted that preppy look. Stores could focus on the things they wanted. So, like, you could be the preppy store, like Abercrombie & Fitch, which is what they decided to be. Right. And then we meet Mo, the journalist, okay, who I, I love. I love her. So, she's explaining that Abercrombie took everything she hated about high school and then put it in a store. I... Mo, we would she be goes, friends. She goes, oh, my God, they bottled it. They bottled, they bottled she, I think she uses it. the word crystallized. She's yeah. like, they crystallized the, the worst parts of everyone's high school experience yes. and, and monetized it and put it in a store. But the thing about Abercrombie was that they had the hot models out front. Remember that? Which is terrifying. Also, like, a lot of them were, like, not 18. But then, like, a lot of the people going into the store were not 18. And then right. you got, like, 20-year-old buff guys. Like, it's like a gauntlet you had to walk through. Well, absolutely. And I gotta say, like, all the guys we see in this documentary that were doing it are very confident. The guys at my mall growing up were, like, felt weird about being out there with their shirts off. So you had this. So let's get, let's break down the store. 100%. Yeah. So it's the guys outside shirtless. Yes. Sometimes they wore a Santa hat in the winter, totally. as we learned. Which is very hot. I'm just going to say it. I wish it was Christmas all the time. I know. The holiday season, I should say. The holiday season. When is sunset tonight? I think sunset is like 7.30. We're getting closer. It used to be 8.30. In London, it's 9.30. Let's not talk about it. So the thing about the Abercrombie store in the mall was that... One of the things that Abercrombie did quite brilliantly was put up brown shutters over the windows and a big image in the front doorway at the entry. So you really couldn't see what was in the store unless you went into the store. No other mall retailer was doing that. I mean, they forced you to come over the threshold. You couldn't see what was in the store unless you went in it, which was kind of a big deal at the time because they had all the mannequins in the windows at every other store. It's true. But to get in there, you had to walk through the gauntlet of shirtless dudes. And sometimes there's a line, sometimes there's not. Like a line line to to get into Abercrombie. When when I was a hotel concierge not that long ago at Hollister and Abercrombie on Fifth Avenue, there was a line to get in in like 2017. Like early in the morning to be the first people in there? Anytime during the day. Like you would, I swear to God. And maybe they did, maybe they like decreased the capacity on purpose to make their 
there be a line? Well, because they, so to that point, the music would be blasting. Yeah, parents hated it. The lights were really dark. They couldn't see anything. Parents and Patrick hated it. Patrick has never once walked into a store that was like a nightclub that he enjoyed. That you a can't bar, see a anything. No. You also can't see the prices conveniently until it's too late, probably. When Steve and I were in London and we were told that there was going to be a DJ at the restaurant where we were having dinner, we immediately canceled. We were like, that. well, I'm not going to be able to speak above a whisper. Well, that happened to us once, but we didn't know it. We were like halfway through dinner and all of a sudden, uns, uns. I, I know. Like, the, this at is not what I signed up for. I'm like, I'm not going to scream at dinner and we just sat there in silence and stared at each other. That's not at all what happened. We screamed. <laughs> We continued I, our conversation uh, any which way we could. Why is, it, why is it so loud? I know I contribute a lot of loudness to the world. I was going to say, let's <laughs> consider the source. But that's kind of all the loudness I can handle. You know what I mean? It's true. And what, like here you're loud. Yeah. Live show you're loud. In the world, I'm not you're not like rudely loud. No. Anyway. <laughs> There's also the scent, this musky masculine uh, scent that we have to hear about for another 10 and minutes. And I gotta say, like, when I was a kid, I wanted to like that scent. You wanted to wear the Abercrombie cologne, but I thought it was great. It was certainly not a must-have, it was, if you're asking me. They try to say it's a must-have, and it it's wasn't. Not a must-have. The models who we'll get into in a little bit, because the two that are here are adorable. They are adorable. But the, one of them was like, we got a lot of free cologne. It's so true. There, there was that. I actually would see employees walk around and spray things with this scent. I get migraines easily, so... It was actually, like, hard for me. I'd go in and come out because I'd have a headache. But for teenagers, it was probably fine. Anybody over the age of 17 walking into an Abercrombie would get a headache and they'd have to leave after two minutes. And let me tell you, I'm sure the teenagers there were fighting that they had a headache because it's like, this is the cool place to be. I have to like this, right? I'm miserable. I hate this, but I I have to like it. I know. And then we learned that the employee's job was to act like you were annoying them. Why? Like, you had to intentionally be rude. Like, ugh, fine, it's over there. now that you, now that I learned that in the documentary, I was like, no, that was exactly how they were. Yeah, totally aloof and rude. And like, you would try to find them, they would walk away from you. Super intimidating, like. It's true. Oh, God. I know. Well, let's talk about Mike Jeffries, the former CEO. Oh, God. Because this was all by his design. This is all very choreographed by Mike Jeffries. They let us know right from the top that he was not interested in sitting down for an interview. He is a nightmare. I know. He's the worst. He's a nightmare attached to a nightmare, Les Wexner. Yeah. Yes. Well, okay. So we learn about this guy. What's his name? Les Wexner? Les Wexner. And let me tell you, he plays a major role in that Victoria's Secret documentary oh, on Hulu. Oh, is that right? Because that entire documentary is basically about Les Wexner and what a piece of garbage he is and the whole Jeffrey Epstein connection. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. It's yeah. all that. Yes, yes. So this guy, Les Wexner, by the way, his whole company was built out of Columbus, Ohio. See you at Obsessed Fest. Stop. But we learned that this guy, Les... Leslie H. Wexner is one of the great retail masterminds of America. He is the brains behind a lot of the mall chains that we have in the country today. He was known as the Merlin of the mall, actually. This guy owns the Limited Express Victoria's Secret they Bath call and him Body the Works. the Merlin of the mall. What does that even mean? Like, he's like a wizard. He's a, you know, the, like an all-powerful, like the all-powerful Oz, only when you peek behind the curtain, he's a fucking molester. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, fucking mall wizard. Good for you, Wexler. So he's trash, and he's friends with Epstein, who's trash, and yeah. Mike Jeffries is also trash. But this is where we learn that he's also in charge of the Abercrombie brand, and Abercrombie had been around for a hundred fucking years. Yeah. I did not know this at all. So at first, back in the day, it was like an outdoorsman, yeah. sportsy brand for men. For like guys like Teddy Roosevelt and fucking Hemingway. E.B. White described it as the masculine dream. Barf. (laughs) 
Talk about the male gaze. You know, there was a period in my life where I feel like E.B. White would have described me that way. Of course. Masculine to this day. So mask. Elite sportsmen. They sold like shaving cream and blankets and I, shit so that you can go outside. Then like we see Teddy Roosevelt like on a donkey or whatever. Well, that's why there were so many moose all over the yes. stores and like all yes. over the branding. Like they tried to keep that together. So like the store fell on hard times. Les Wexner sloop. Les Wexner swoops in and buys it. Tries to revamp yeah. it and, and give it a second life. But he tried to keep it like a sportsman store and it's not working. No. And that's where he brings in Mike Jeffries. Who's a failed CEO, as we learned, of a failed women's business apparel company. Called Alcott and Jeffries. But he, Mike Jeffries comes up with this formula and it just happened to work. Yeah. What Jeffries really wanted it to be was like the coolest brand for the 18 to 22 year old. That's what everybody wants their brand to be. It happened to work for this guy. But he's like privileged, but make it sexy. So it's supposed to be that like high quality sportsman stuff. Yes. But way sexier. And someone says something where I'm like, holy shit. She says, fashion is an industry that is notorious for not particularly doing a lot of market research. The goal is not to give people what they're asking for, but to make them ask for what you're offering. They don't give people what they want. They right. make people yeah. want what they're offering. Yeah, 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 And yeah, I'm yeah. like, I've never heard it put that way, but that's exactly right. It's so true. And we also learned that this guy, Mike Jeffries himself, goes from wearing like loafers and khakis to button-down jeans and sandals. And I said, why did we ever wear button-down jeans? Button did down you ever je- have button-down jeans? Absolutely not. <laughs> you did. I love that you never fall for any of this you shit. You want to know why? So here's a weird ADHD thing. We put things off because everything feels like a mountain. The amount of times I'm like, oh, I have to pee and I have to pee now because I either don't realize <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. that happens to Daisy who, too. who's neurodivergent, you'll yeah. understand either, like I don't drink enough water uh-huh. and then I'm, I have a headache and I'm dying of thirst, you know? Or oh like, my I'm, God. Or I get, and Mike's like, you haven't peed in like 10 hours. Not like policing me, but he's like, I'm worried about your kidneys. <laughs> yeah. And also like, are you okay? And then I'll be like, I have to go now. So my whole life has been like, uh, I don't have time for the button fly. Oh, I was going to say, how does this relate like, to the button down jeans? And that's the ADHD brain. See, I'm just going playing that chess game. I knew where it was going. Yeah, yeah. But I don't have time for the button down jeans because I know I'm just like, I don't have to pee. No, I don't. And then it's eight o'clock at night and I'm like, I have to, right now. Button down jeans are like not sexy. It's a terrible look. I can't believe anyone ever did and that. And it's very easy to have an open fly because if you miss a button. Totally. Right? <laughs> I love this calculation that we see elitism plus sexy equals exclusivity. Oh, shut because up. Because exclusivity was what they wanted. They wanted you to feel like it was the cool thing you needed to be a part of. And they, they're saying like... So it, it, it became that if only I had Tommy Hilfiger, that would be cool. Or the guest jeans. Oh my goodness. Some of that stuff was just, you, you couldn't get it. But Abercrombie and Fitch was a little bit more affordable. Just aspirational enough, but not so expensive that it was out of reach. It was still moderately priced. So, like, whereas other brands that were fancy and, like, it was an exclusive club. Like Calvin Klein or something. Right, it was, like, too expensive to buy anyway. But Abercrombie & Fitch was just on the edge of affordable. So, like, nerds like me could, like, buy the clothes and it would, like, make you feel like you were hot and a cool kid. But it didn't, it doesn't work, America. It doesn't work. But I seem to remember things being, like, 40 bucks for a racist t-shirt. Like, how affordable is it really? but, like, I would save my money for the summer and then go to Abercrombie and buy four things. Really? Like, I had an Abercrombie sweater that I wore, like, every day my junior year of high school. Really? Yeah. It was, like, a zippy. I was obsessed. Oh, my God. I know. And also, also, Abercrombie would probably like to erase this from their history. They were a big pioneer of the cargo short. You could get the best cargo shorts at Abercrombie. That's how I knew they were sexy. And that's how I know they're still sexy. Yeah, I had some jeans. I'll say it. I had some Abercrombie jeans. Oh, yeah. (laughs) 
when I was. You look really ashamed of yourself. I feel ashamed. <laughs> Knowing what I know now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't wear a racist shirt, though. I know. We'll get to those. So in 1996, Abercrombie goes public. They have yes. tons of money because they have Abercrombie, Abercrombie Kids, Hollister. Hollister was like the California Beach vibe version yeah. of Abercrombie. Yeah. I wrote, everything's coming up Abercrombie. Uh, for now. <laughs> for now. Ride that wave. Yeah. You racist pieces of trash. Yeah. So their office was called, this made me crazy. The whole idea was that work was life and life was work and everybody would pull these all-nighters because it was just like, you know, you were hanging out with your friends. My team called it 13th grade because it was like, it did feel like that. They called it 13th grade and the work was life and life was work. And I'm like, that sounds fucking terrible. I know. They're like, everyone was pulling all-nighters because it was like hanging out with your friends. Partying and hooking up. Yeah. You need to separate your work from your social life. There's something about Abercrombie being the action park of retail stores. The 13th grade? Honestly. Grow up. I know. I'm I, sorry. I like, would have loved it so much. But looking back on it, they're like, yeah, it was really bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. it was not a good idea. No. Let's talk about the marketing, shall yeah. we? Yes. The quarterly magazine which is really just a bunch of naked pictures of men. The Quarterly Magazine, not only is it like naked pictures of men, it's naked pictures of men doing gay stuff with each other. And they're like 21 years old. Yeah, they're like in wrestling poses, which are all very gay. Or like, and they're wrestling underwater. Yeah, and they're like holding each other or they're like face to face. They're like playing football and like tackling each other. And they're like all in their underpants. Like the catalogs were, it was gay porn. Right, and then you turn the page and it would be like, buy these cargo pants for $78 and you're like where are the cargo pants because no one's wearing any clothes and we we meet this guy Savas he was the former editor in chief of the the quarterly magazine and he's like oh this job I knew I was gay like it proved to me that I was gay because he was like oh my god the boys it's like I'm telling you I've been saying this all week it's like Ryan Phillippe's butt in Cruel Intentions Intentions. Ryan Phillippe is on the record with Entertainment Weekly saying like yes I know my ass in that scene made you gay yeah like this guy Savas had the the Ryan Phillippe butt experience right and he got to edit the magazine it's a dream job but this is Aesthetic, this like black and white kind of sepia tone oh, boys yeah. right at like magic hour twilight in yeah. the sunset wrestling was the aesthetic of Bruce Weber. Bruce Weber's I think the highest paid photographer. He was famous and he was doing Calvin Klein. He was doing everyone and he made a beautiful book called Bear Pond. Bruce fucking Weber. Oh trash. my trash. Tr- creepy, creepy fucking trash. Oh, he's a yeah. he's a very famous photographer yeah. and also a total creep with at least 15 male models accusing him of sexual assault. The aesthetic aesthetic that he was creating, it was like for Abercrombie, it was like joyful group shots. Everyone's young. Everyone's white. Golden retrievers as far as the eye can see. I know. And it's all like shot in the countryside. They were all supposed to be like dumb, hot farm boys. Well, enter Bobby Blanksy, who I'm a model. <laughs> Still looks like a model to He's this adorable. day. He's yeah. adorable. He's like, I'm a, I'm the armpit guy. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, I know exactly who that is. But he like, was in Jane's locker. He was, yes, he was like, he was the one lying down on the bag. That was the bag. Like, that, that was, was the, the bag, bag. everybody got for a decade. And his face when you walked into the store, I mean, he was everywhere. It's like Cindy Crawford level supermodel deal. Yeah. That bag was printed 8 billion times. And he's like, yeah, so I was like, don't you know I'm here from Minnesota for my modeling gig? And he's like, he's adorable. He's still very cute. And then we meet Ryan, who's like, exactly what they were looking for. From Nebraska. Captain of every single team. The homecoming king. He was like, to be fair, this was not a dream of mine. I was hammered at a bar and some lady asked me if I wanted to do this and three weeks later I was in Brazil. Where I saw the ocean for the and first time. And I was time. like, good job, Bobby. Ryan, oh I... my God. 
<laughs> but the shoots sound horrible. Yeah. Because even though it was super gay and that should mean it's fun. It, was it wasn't of, gay like how your childhood was gay with your right. piano parties this was and the hairdressers. a lot of toxic masculinity. Yes. Because all the guys were trying to get that creepy photographer's attention. Right. So they'd be like, hey, Bruce, like, like look at me, <laughs> throw the football or whatever. There would just be guys like in a tree just like, hey, Bruce, it's tree in a minute, you know? Or... Just like just doing push-ups on a curb. It's just the guys are so testosterone because it's just a bunch of ripped dudes. And then the guys are trying to impress the women. It's really it's just like it's a it's humanity at its basic level. And the whole point was like to look natural. And they even say they were like, it was just about like hot guys like impressing women, but also like getting groped by the photographer on the side. Right, because they knew that Abercrombie was really like a gigantic thing and they yes. just wanted their picture to be in the quarterly. Yeah. I mean, that's really all it was. Speaking of, let's talk about about the What Makes Someone Attractive handbook. Oh my God. There's an actual lookbook that Abercrombie like gave to their managers that was like, hire this person and not this person. And all the check marks of who you hired, they're all white people. Well, this is the beginning of Abercrombie saying all the shitty stuff out loud. Yes. And in writing. Yes. Exactly. So this is <laughs> in writing. <laughs> and I have the screenshots to prove it. So <laughs> they need to look inspiring to the customer. That yes. was the word they used. So, you know, a neatly combed, attractive, natural, classic hairstyle is acceptable. White guy, blonde, blue eyes. Yes. Right next to him is a black man. Hot, look, this beautiful black man. With this great smile, long dreadlocks. Our people in the store are an inspiration to the customer. A neatly combed, attractive, natural, classic hairstyle is acceptable. Dreadlocks are unacceptable for men and women. Gold chains are not acceptable for men. Women may wear a thin, short, delicate silver necklace. Un but the fact, can you imagine yeah. in 2022 writing that down on a piece of paper? Right. And all of the things that you're right, that are checked are like thin, yes. white, yes. just like plain looking people. Yeah. <laughs> Can you see how, not that I would have wanted to, but I would have had no chance of working at this establishment. Well, now here's the, the <laughs> kicker. Brand representatives are required to wear appropriate undergarments at all times. It's, Excuse me? I, they, they are dictating the fucking underpants the people are wearing. The underpants. So it's natural American classic. The yeah. ANF look. And there's like a skinny white blonde woman. Exactly. In this exactly. photo. I'm not kidding. Watch it. We'll put the screenshots in. Yeah. So Mike Jeffries, the guy who like came in and started this form, was a total micromanager. Yes, and he would show up at the stores unannounced. And if you've ever had a fucking job, you know what a nightmare that is. They call them blitzes. Yes. Yeah. Blitzes. So say a visit was on Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You were doing all nights. This is where we got to make sure like everything is spick and span. Like everything gets wiped down. There's like no dust anywhere. The moose head looks clean. But the thing that mattered most day of was who was working. There are some people that, that you kept on staff just for visits. And then you put the people on shift on Friday that you only keep around because they're hot. Right. They literally say there are people you only keep on the schedule for these visits because they're the best looking ones. But no, they're the who, quote best looking what, ones. Who Mike Jeffries thinks is that, hot. That's what I mean. You know? Yeah, yeah. So we'll get into his micromanaging in a minute. Do we have to talk about how happy they were about that stupid song Summer Girls by LFO? Do you remember... I like girls that wear Abercrombie and Fitch. 
Can we talk about just how stupid that song it's is? It's so dumb, but they're like, everyone yeah. is like, that's when we knew we made it. But I mean, it's like, it's marketing you couldn't possibly buy. You know right. what I mean? It's like, But also, like, we all fell for that song. I Why did, was that song did you famous? Like no. I did not fall for that song. Do you think I fell for that song? <laughs> well, you said we. So I meant like, the royal we, like in society. <laughs> the look of utter disappointment when, when you thought that I thought that you fell for that song. Don't you know me at all? <laughs> How long have we been doing this? We're I know. married. I know. We've been married for so long. I, that, I hated that song. If you know one thing about Mike Jeffries, yeah. he thought that was the coolest thing to ever happen in the world. 100%. That's all you need to know. Okay? Yeah. By 2002, <laughs> let's talk to Phil Yu. Phil Yu runs the Angry Asian Man blog. He's also, like, so good looking. I just, yeah. like, while we're here, I may as well. Sure. You know what I mean? He is here to tell us about the issue of the graphic tees. So I don't remember this. I like I knew of Abercrombie and maybe I kind of remember this, but this is bananas. So like they didn't hire outside copywriters. They needed really fast turnaround to make these really cheap shirts and sell them like just at expensive prices. Yeah. Can I just say I love that this guy, Philip, the angry Asian man blogger. He's like. So my first interaction with Abercrombie was receiving a catalog out of the blue. And I remember seeing these young people smiling and frolicking. And I was like, when I'm in college, like maybe, maybe I'm going to hang out with my friends in a field, like arm to arm like this and jump around and I don't know, get in a dog pile or something like, like they do with these catalogs. I don't know. When I'm in college, I'll go and get in a dog pile in a field with my friends. All right. Is that the dream? Am I inspired? It's exactly what you would see in every catalog. Right. As the sun's setting, there's a lake behind you, tall grass. It's all boys and they're all just in their underpants and they're lying on top of each other. They're not wearing a single item of clothing that's being sold in the catalog. Or it's open and like half off them, the shirt. It's just gay porn. It is. So some of these super racist shirts include, there's one like with a traditional indigenous headdress. Yeah. And it's camp sexy one. So it's spelled out like it's supposed to be like a tribal name. This is like hard to say out loud. Like this shit is bananas. There's one with like a teepee that says camp you wanna me. So you're not only being racist, but you're also making like like an accent in the way it's written. Yeah. But Phil is here to tell us about the like specifically Asian racism. Like the Buddha bash, get your Buddha on the floor. And like one more for the road with a donkey wearing a sombrero holding a taco. I mean, it it seems if you were in a writer's room of a sketch comedy show, they'd be like, that's too racist and also too on the nose. No one's going to do that. That's ridiculous. The world has changed so much, it feels like, in the last like three years. The fact that they weren't blurring it in the documentary when we're looking at it felt weird to me. And here's the one that feels like, okay, I've had enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. The one that everybody remembers, Wong Brothers advertising a fictional laundry service. So it's the kitschy font and the sort of the caricatures of the bucktooth and the slant-eyed Asian. So the slogan was, two Wongs can make it white. Two Wongs can make it white. It's unreal. And even saying that right now I to know. you, like, it's insane. And Phil's like, this isn't new. Like, pop culture has been doing this to Asian people forever. Like, Mickey Rooney and yes. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yes. And Long Duck Dong and 16 Candles. Like, yeah. watching 16 Candles is a fucking terrible movie. Well, and the other thing that Philip says is that, like, as Asian Americans, we're taught by our parents to just keep our heads down. Right. Many of us are first generation. We just don't make trouble. But he's like, fuck that. This was the thing to get mad about. And he's like, was there even one single person asking if this was a good idea? Was right. there one person questioning it? Like, this is what happens when you have a room full of white people. And then somebody, like, one of the producers says to him, like, well, we were told that there was actually two Asian people on this crew. And he's like... Your cover is the the one Asian guy in the room, right? It's the one guy who's like, I don't... 
do you find it offensive? And like, is that guy really gonna be like, yeah, or is he gonna flip over the table and be like, I, no, I think this is really offensive to my identity? Like in that environment, in this corporate stuffy environment where everyone around you is white, and you're like, I don't know if that's really a safe place to do that, right? He's like, I can't imagine you made it easy for them to feel no! safe to look at a bunch of rich white people. Say, you know what I mean? No, like, they're like, we want our job. We're working for the coolest brand in the world. Like, there's no way in which, there's no way. But yet they're there to provide the cover for Abercrombie to be like, no, this isn't racist. The Asians are fine with it. Because I'm sure it wasn't like, hey, let's have a conversation about this and, and really put something out there that makes you comfortable. It's like, yeah. you're okay with this, right? You're yeah. not going to cause a scene, right? But then we also learn that when there's backlash, literally Abercrombie who only knows how to do the PR thing wrong, they put out a press release being like, oh my God, we thought the Asians were going to love this. Also, one more thing that we see about this, it's Tina Fey with the old Asian people can't drive joke on SNL. This also, Tina Fey's, you know I love her, but she, even on like 30 Rock, like she walks the line. And this is over the line. And that joke, it's not just offensive, it's lazy. Like I know that it being offensive makes it a thousand times worse, but that's a lazy joke. Yeah. Like you should just do, do better. Yeah. Like, you're going to be like, I don't feel like writing a good joke. I'll just make a racist uh-huh, one instead. Uh-huh. Like, I'll do, like, the easiest punching down. Like, it's so so stupid. But Phil is saying, like, this is why we didn't say anything. It was kind of everywhere. Exactly. We were used and, as a punchline. Exactly. And then the guy we met earlier who's Savis, the cast, Savis yeah. is all upset because he just knew something was about to change in the culture when he saw the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. If you know the comics, Peter Parker's biggest bully is Flash Thompson. And he's traditionally been a big, blonde, like, asshole and in the movie he is dressed head to toe in Abercrombie the entire time and it really upset me it was really really upset me I was like that's not good I just knew it wasn't good like you know what I mean like because something had shifted the bully was dressed head to toe in Abercrombie yeah he was and like, it really bumped him out he was like all right summer girls by LFO is our P <laughs> our rock bottom <laughs> is Tobey Maguire Spider-Man he looks like he took it really hard you know he had his gay awakening I guess but also maybe he wasn't thinking clearly wasn't thinking straight but um bum he just was I don't know what's going on but this is like wait like nothing it's all it's all fake it's like no, LFO, that stupid song doesn't mean you've made it. Right. Like, the bully in the Spider-Man movie doesn't, like, nothing means anything. No, Nothing's no. real to these exactly. people. I feel crazy. You're I, in 13th grade and you're going to campus, but it's really work. You think racism is okay. You're, you're sexually the harassing and assaulting people. I, I don't understand. For what? I, I, For I, a shirt that has the words Abercrombie and Fitch on it. For what? I, well, but also the good cargo shorts. Okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I know. It's not a reason. They mainstreamed cargo shorts. That's all. That's the one good thing they did, Jillian. All right. <laughs> so we jump to 2003. Reporter Mo is back, and she tells us about this encounter that she has with a manager at an American Eagle store. And like American Eagle is like Abercrombie Light, right? Yeah. It's like the Old Navy to Banana Republic. Sure. If we're making. But Old Navy and Banana Republic are owned by the same company. Well, but that's, which that's I'll what I'm saying. in a minute. Yeah, and it feel it just feel like anyway. So Mo and this other reporter walk into an American Eagle, and they're just talking to this manager, and the manager bursts into tears because she's like, "I'm so happy here. I get to hire who I want." She gestures to the guy who's leading women to the dressing room, who's like a light-skinned black guy with dreadlocks. And my colleague sort of nods, like she understands what is being said. 
She was so happy that he like gave a good interview and was enthusiastic and she could hire him, whereas you couldn't hire a black person at Abercrombie. Right. Or you fire them for no reason, like Carla. So Carla (laughs) used to work at Abercrombie. She's a black woman. And because this matters to Abercrombie and Fitch, she's beautiful. We wouldn't mention it. I mean. But like that matters to Abercrombie and Fitch. So this is going to prove their racism even more. Exactly. So she says like she never got a ton of hours and she was always asking for more hours. She wanted day shifts and she was always told no, like we're all filled up. I'm so sorry. They only gave her night shifts, which she says was basically just cleaning. Yeah. And when she asked about it, they say, but Carla, you're just like our best window washer. They keep saying I it know. out loud. This is, what I know. this is what I'm talking I, with about. With no irony. They think it's a compliment. They say, the thing they think is a compliment later I know. is unbelievable. I know, I know, I know, I know. And she goes to her friend and her friend's like. Her friend who works at Abercrombie. She's like, Carla. It's because you're black. Like, look around. Right. And it, like, never occurred to Carla. And because she was like, I didn't want it. Like, it hurt. Like, I know it's true, but it really hurt to be faced with that in that kind of way. And then after she had made the kerfluffle about wanting a day shift so she didn't have to wash the fucking windows, they just stopped putting her on the schedule. They fired her. Well, but they didn't. I remember asking him, "Do I, what should I do? Do I still work here? I haven't been on the schedule in two months. And he's like, no, no, you do. Just, just keep calling us. I knew I had been fired and I just moved on. I mean, there wasn't a resignation. There wasn't anyone that called me. I just, it was over. The manager's like, yeah, you totally work here. We'll call you as soon as we have anything. And then they they never call her again. And they did the same thing to Jennifer, who's Asian. Yes. And it's the same thing. She's like, I worked at a store close to UC Irvine, which had like a 75% Asian population. So like her store did have a couple of people of color working there. But they all got fired after Christmas. Right. And they send this season. Look at this note they send to the employees. Season's greetings. (laughs) If you have not received a paycheck, you have been let go. Merry Christmas. (laughs) Signed, Santa. is that true? Santa. <laughs> it, is, oh, it is like the most ominous. Yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. season's greetings, one sentence. Yeah. Merry Christmas. That Merry Santa. Christmas is taunting. That is, it's <laughs> ghoulish. It, that's like it's, vile. Yeah, Merry yeah, yeah. Christmas, yeah. exclamation point, Santa. Oh my God. A lump of coal for you, Santa. It's taunting. But she says like, and we hear so much of this. She's like, and I was really mad about this, but I was like 21 years old. Like, what could you even do? Well, a bunch of people of color who were fired yeah. get together, nine of them, in fact, they file a lawsuit. Thank God. I was so happy to hear about the lawsuit and to meet Tom Sens, the attorney, because like all of these helpless people that are being blatantly discriminated against, each one of them after the next is like, well, there's nothing I could do about it. One of their moms was like, well, what, what were you expecting? I knew that was going to happen to you. Right. So the lawsuit is brought against Abercrombie and Fitch. And this is the ultimate, oh my God, I can't believe you're saying this out loud. Yeah. Jahan, talk to us about what Abercrombie was saying it wasn't that we were being racially discriminated against. It was that we weren't good looking enough to work on the floor. We were just just ugly. <laughs> it's not racism. It's just that you're not good looking enough. And I'm like, hey, Abercrombie, that's the same fucking thing. It's, because you're what you're saying is you don't think black people or Asian people or right. anyone else yes. is as pretty as a white person. Exactly. You only think white people are pretty. That is racism. And it's like, like again, this is so dumb, but it matters to Abercrombie. If you look at Carla, put her next to any one of those white people. She's way hotter. Right. Way hotter. She's just, I don't understand. Like, yeah. But that statement's not doing what they thought it was doing it they right. double down on the racism but this is what i'm saying like they only know how to do the wrong pr move they, and they 
absolutely won't no. stop talking. I, there are so <laughs> many times where like, or what you could have said was nothing. Exactly. And they're like, no, it's not that it's not that you're not white, you're just or, ugly. You're not white and you're not pretty. Better like, yet, they could have looked inside and been like, oh my God, you're right. Let us fix this systemic problem. Even if they were doing it in the most cynical way, uh-huh. even if they were doing it for the sake of doing uh-huh. it, it would still be like visible. They're not even doing that. Right. They're not even doing it to shut them all up. Right. Say nothing. Stop telling the minorities you thought they'd love the racist shirt. They're saying it all out loud. They're saying all of it out loud and with a smile. It's amazing. So Abercrombie ended the lawsuit with a settlement and they admitted no guilt. Yeah, but they did have to cough up 50 million fucking dollars. Well, good. They coughed up 50 million dollars and they enter into a consent decree, which means that they like agree to change their recruiting, their hiring and their marketing practices. Mm -hmm. And it's like a six year deal that they agree to do this in. There are benchmarks they have to hit, but there's no penalties if they don't. Right. So what they end up doing is a whole lot of nothing. But one thing they do do, they create a position of the chief diversity officer and they hire a black guy and his name is Todd and he's the vice president of diversity. And so he's here, right? Like he doesn't know and I've got complicated feelings about him. I agree. What he's saying is that I began to figure out what it was really about, which was trying to figure out how to reinvent a brand from the perspective of DNI, which at the time was not a function. There was not an office. There was not a discipline. There was no muscle. So I had to figure out how to put it all together. And I said, well, you've been praying to God. You've been saying, you know, you need something big. I guess he's telling you right now, this is probably it. What would I even do in this company? But then he realizes that it's like legitimately the challenge he's been praying for. So he takes the job, but you know, he's so guarded in this interview about what he wants to say because I don't know if it's a legal thing or if he wants to protect his legacy because he did spend a lot of his life at this company doing good work. It's just complicated because he refuses to share his true feelings here. Yeah, but other people of color are not following that. Like Toya, and she she was a former manager at the Diversity and Inclusion. Yeah, because she gets to go to the meetings. So she's going to the meetings where they're literally assessing. Like the hiring meetings. Right, so like the managers who've just done 10 interviews are going through the lookbook and talking about people's noses and hair. Like, dissecting them. And she goes, wait, wait, wait. All they did was change the wording. So brand reps were no longer called brand reps. They were called either impact, and that meant that you went to the back, or model, and that meant you could be up front. I think that, like, the idea was that calling their minimum wage retail employees models, you know, Abercrombie could get away with anything that a modeling agency could get away with. You'd be a model, I'd be impact. <laughs> Please, don't, no, you'd be a, you'd be a model. But they say this thing where I'm like, all right, all right, we gotta hold on a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say by calling them models, they could, quote, get away with things that modeling agencies get away with. And I'm like, all right, well, let's tackle the modeling agencies next. Honest then. to God. What are, what does that mean? I got to tell you, and I don't want to derail this too much, but my favorite show of the early 2000s was the Janice Dickinson modeling agency. Oh, my God. And the shenanigans. Oh, I thought- <laughs> Do you remember? We used to call it JDMA. And no. The sh- uh, not you, you and me. JDMA? me and JDMA? Yeah, Janice Dickinson modeling agency. I was obsessed. And the shit that Janice Dickinson got away with was like, oh It's my like God. Abby Lee Miller on Dance Moms yeah, now. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. It's that same, like, everyone's replaceable, blah, blah, blah. Oh, like, oh, Abby, I isn't know. she in jail now? Who knows? Prison for, like, tax evasion or being an oh, abusive God. person? Here we go again with my biggest fear, Steve. I can't go to prison. No, but I think she was, like, really trying to dodge. Yeah, not me. It wasn't, like, a paperwork Not mistake. me. Let me double pay my taxes. I do. I, the estimates? I know. <laughs> I know. Money goes in directly to the government. The look of terror in both of our eyes. Please send us both to the same women's the prison The only thing least. I hope 
for is <laughs> maybe I'll get a little bit back. <laughs> if not, take it. If, or IRS, just tell me what I owe and I'd happily pay you. If you and I get sent to the same women's prison, can we be sellies? I would love that. I don't think they would allow it. You know that I would make the best prison wine. Can you just be on your best behavior and then we'll try to get like the best perks? It's not. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You think I'm getting out of line in prison? Not me. You don't know you me. You never I, know what out of line is. I live in fear of getting yelled at. I live in fear of getting in trouble. I do everything right. Oh, I, I, I follow every rule. I don't want to talk about it. I know. We got to move on. But we can talk about something else horrible. We can talk about Bruce Weber. So the thing about Bruce Weber, because I wrote, oh, and great. And now we get to learn about all the sexual misconduct. And like Bruce Weber, like these models are here to tell us about how they were all sexually assaulted by him. He's going to invite you over and he's going to try his good touch, bad touch thing. You would put your hand on your chest and he put his hand on your hand, kind of like talking to relax. And then it was, I'm going to lower your hand to tell me when to stop. You stop me when you when you're not comfortable or whatever. Yeah. Like number one, the touching of anything is a violation. And and that is a weird, creepy way to start an, an exchange. But it's also a power dynamic because we learned that like other guys on photo shoots would get invited to dinner with him and then they'd mysteriously be gone the next day. The implication meaning that like he tried to have sex with them and they said no, and so he sent them home. Yeah, if you said no to him, you were instantly fired, like on the spot. One of the guys, the, the bag guy, tells us a story about how Bruce calls and invites him to dinner. And he says no. And two minutes later, he gets a call from somebody else saying, you're on the next plane tomorrow. You've been cut. Yeah. And the other model's like, when he did the hand thing, he was like, don't move your hand. And and Bruce was like, that's hilarious. I'm going to move my hand down. And the model was like, no, 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 no. I'm not doing this. Like, you're not moving your hand down my body right now. We also learn about this Mike Jeffries that, like, we get his backstory a little bit. He was married. He's got a kid. He's gay. He was married to a woman. Yeah. And the ex-wife is, like, out of the picture. I guess that means he's raising the son. He was super, super closeted. And he also had a bunch of like really bad plastic surgery. Well, then this Matthew Smith guy comes into the picture and then he becomes like his life partner and business partner. Yeah. But this is when we learned like Mike Jeffries is not well because he was obsessed with like his idea of beauty and youth and he had all this really bad plastic surgery and I'm like, you're a zillionaire? Get it done right. Get the good, get the Carol Brady plastic surgery. If you have the money and you want to get all this plastic surgery but I guess like to a point you're just gonna look ridiculous, No, but like I gotta say there are some people like Mrs. Brady, what's her Florence Henderson. Oh, she right. She looked like Mrs. Brady from the fucking 60s until the day she died. Goldie Hawn in the First Wives Club. Totally. <laughs> I work out every day. I watch my diet. <laughs> oh, you're lying through your caps. <laughs> But get it done right. If you have the money. He's making $40 million a year. The plastic surgery on your face is not where you should be skimping, That's Mike. what I'm saying. You know what I mean? But we meet Benoit, the journalist. Yes. And for some reason, he gets this coveted invitation to come to campus and write about this brand because Mike Jeffries didn't let anyone in and he no. lets Benoit in. And this guy's been obsessed with Mike and the campus for forever and he says no over and over again and then out of the blue gets an invitation. And Benoit's like, I saw it all yes. firsthand. Yes. And he goes, what I really want to do is like dive in and, and to some like very hard psychoanalysis but we don't have time for that no and then like in a sit down interview Mike gets like super honest and like you've been saying he says all the stuff out loud to a reporter to a reporter he's like yes not everyone can wear our clothes I don't want everyone to be able to wear our clothes he talks about how like he wanted to target the cool kids we get the full quote later but it's like every school has cool kids and not so cool kids we were unabashedly targeting the cool kids you can't sit with us you're right the ones with all the friends And and so he says all of this to the reporter and then two days later the reporter gets a call that Abercrombie's pulling out. Like, somebody overheard what Mike said to the reporter, and now they're like, we are not participating in this story. But Benoit publishes the story anyway, not for the Times, as he says, but for Salon. So eventually, it all gets out there, because... All these 
years later, in 2013, yeah. this guy Benjamin O'Keefe comes across the 2006 article. We got to talk about Benjamin O'Keefe for a second because this guy is so fucking cool. Yeah. He's like, one of the reasons that I didn't wear Abercrombie, besides it being incredibly expensive, was because I, I literally couldn't. I was the fat, gay, poor kid. Pretty much like the bullying trifecta. He calls it the bullying trifecta. Ben, I, girl, we're the same. You and me, girl. And what he says is like, he was reading this article and he's like, wait, this is from seven years ago and he can't believe that people are just allowing him to say it. And here's the actual quote because they never actually say it in the documentary. Jeffries is quoted as saying, in every school there are the cool kids and the not so cool kids. Candidly, we go after the cool kids. We go after the attractive all-American kid with a great attitude and lots of friends. Are we exclusionary? Absolutely. That's illegal. Yes. You can't do that. Well, and Ben O'Keefe is saying, like, this was seven years ago and no one did anything about this. He says he like gets onto change.org, makes a petition, puts it on his own personal social media, goes to bed. Overnight, the world explodes. Fucking Hoda and Kathy Lee are yeah, talking about it's it. It's super viral. Everyone's signing it. And what yeah. he's talking about is, like, how harmful Abercrombie & Fitch is. The brand and, like, what is behind the brand. Yes. And how it leads to disordered eating, which he also has experience yes, with. Yes. And you have to look like this or you're nothing. And this is Mike Jeffries' view of beauty. And in this year that this is all happening, 2013, Abercrombie is still a really big deal. And so when Ben is pulling up this article from seven years ago, it's going viral because nobody can believe that this Jeffries guy is still the CEO right. of Abercrombie. He was never held accountable for these statements. It's making the rounds on Twitter, on the Today Show, CNBC. It goes on for weeks. And then finally, Abercrombie calls the Ben guy and is like, could you call off the hounds? Let's see if we can't work this out, Ben. Why don't you come in, step into our office. And so he does. He goes. And he brings the CEO of the National Eating Disorders Association yes. and someone from change.org and like two other eating disorder professionals, which is incredible. And he brings like 25,000 pages, each with hundreds of signatures on it. He's like, I very dramatically dropped them in front of everyone. I mean, this was this was theater, but I say that as a compliment. Like he came with the facts yes. and with the emotion. It was, I mean, it must have been amazing to watch. And his whole point is that like I walked into this room where it was like all the top dogs of Abercrombie. Every single person at that table was white. Mike Jeffries doesn't even show up to right. the meeting. And then when the chief diversity officer walks in, Todd, is that his name? Yeah. He's like offended by this Ben guy. He tried to explain to me how actually they were an incredibly diverse company and all of the great things that they had done for diversity in their stores since he had come on. And so he hands me this book and I sort of look at it and I throw it back at it. So this means nothing. Look in this room. You're the only person of color here. They have a fight yeah. in the boardroom. Totally. Truly. That's what happens. They're fighting. And this is like the Todd chief diversity officer guy. Like, this is the issue. He says, like, on the store level, they were able to really make change. Like, when he started there, it was only 10% non-white. And by the, his sixth year, it was over 50% not white at the store level, which is great. But when you go any level up in the company, it's just it's richer white. and whiter and older. And, like, that's where the systemic change would have to come from. Yeah. And we learned that the court-appointed monitor did find that Abercrombie repeatedly missed benchmarks, including yes. underrepresenting minorities in, in marketing and hiring. So nothing changed. Nothing changed. And Benjamin makes an important point about Todd because he says society Todd does, being the chief diversity the, officer. Yeah. And he's like, society does this to marginalize people all the time. Yes. 
We put them in this position. Now Todd has yeah. to fix all of it. And right. he was set up to fail. Right. And he ended up he ends up leaving the company and he like doesn't want to talk about it. It's just kind of like Then why are you here, Todd? Well, I think that he is trying to protect his own legacy. Like that's where I landed on Todd. I guess. He's not talking about it for any legal reason. I think he thinks he did good work and he's got numbers to back it up. And if he were to really unleash his true emotions about it, it would kind of, in his mind, diminish the work that he did or whatever. I could see that. And it looks better than like Todd declining. <laughs> to participate in this, like Mike yeah, Jeffries. Yeah, exactly. At least we get Todd's side of the story. It's 2015 now, and we meet Samantha, and Samantha's awesome. She's from Tulsa, Oklahoma. She's amazing, and she wears a hijab. Yeah, and she didn't get the job because of it. That's she the bottom line. She sits down here. for the interview, and like basically, it goes great. The manager says to her, "We'll be calling you to like schedule your orientation," and she never gets the call. After she interviewed me, she called the district manager because I was wearing a black headscarf. At the time, they had a no black policy. He told her it doesn't matter what color she wears, she can't work here. It comes down to the headscarf. So now she's suing them. Yes. And good. But Abercrombie doubles down again. And but they're like, like in the most major way, they're like, she doesn't look like our clientele. She would cost us sales. Abercrombie doubles down to the level of the Supreme Court right. of the United States. And to the point where Scalia, Anthony Scalia yeah. ruled in Samantha's favor and her lawyer's like, that's how you know it was really yeah. bad. When Scalia said it was discriminatory. So many things to say. Number one, people point out, like, how would a company allow something like this to get to the level of the Supreme Court and not be settled quietly? I know. They're doubling down on their racism. They think it's good for their brand. Yeah. And the only Supreme Court justice who sides with Abercrombie, Clarence, Clarence motherfucking Thomas. Thomas. And he's a prick anyway, obviously. I mean, this isn't fuck shocking. That guy. Fuck that guy. Fuck that guy. But you know what? Samantha wins. She wins the case. Yeah. She's in history books. Yes. This case is studied in law school. Yes. That's incredible. It's incredible. Good for her. She's just cool as hell. She's just here te casually telling us her story about it. Right. And now, do we have to talk about this 47-page manual about how everyone has to treat him on the jet? Because it's wild. It's insane. Yeah. We learned that, like, Abercrombie is, like, losing its relevance and Mike Jeffries is still the CEO. It's paying himself 40 million a year. 40 million a year. The stock is in the garbage and yet he still has a 47 page book about how he is to be treated on the company jet. Someone describes How do we this... not have a company jet at the Obsessed Network? I don't know. But don't do anything like this. Someone describes it as particular and I'm like it's also peculiar and stupid and yeah. rooted in this weird insecurity power dynamic thing. Yeah. So some of these rules are like if the passengers are eating cold food Crew members are not to eat hot meals. When Michael or a guest make a request, respond by saying, no problem. This should be used in place of phrases like, sure, or just a minute. This should be used in place of phrases like, sure, <laughs> just a minute, right away, yeah. yes, sir. Yeah. They all mean the same thing. Right. Saying no problem is the same as I know. sure. I know. I know. Am I, know. I, ins I feel no. insane. No, no. I and, feel insane. And there must have been, it must have gone really badly once when somebody said sure to this fucking but guy. But it's like, and the, if passengers are eating cold food, crew members can't I, eat hot meat. So everyone just I eats know. cold food? I don't like, know. Like, that, that's fine. If everyone's eating a sandwich or a salad, like, okay, I don't understand. Like, who's even thinking about who's eating hot and a soup versus a sandwich? I don't Why understand. Why can't you just be thrilled to be on a private jet? You know what I would give to do that once? Be thrilled to you be know who getting does it your too much. $40 million a year. 
sure. Bottom line is, by like the mid-2000s, Abercrombie has lost all of its luster because the whole idea of exclusion, which was what that brand was built on, nobody wants that anymore. It's like, they keep saying like, all of the kids that got bullied grew up and didn't want to spend their money trying to be the bully anymore. Of course. And also like- Abercrombie and Fitch, like some of that aura went away precisely because exclusion was the root of their success. And exclusion itself stopped being quite so cool. Things just like ebb and flow. You yeah. know, no one cares anymore. No. You know? And so by 2014, Mike Jeffries leaves with a $27 million retirement package. He just kind of disappears. Someone was like, he was on a conference call one day, and yeah. the next day he just didn't exist he was in Abercrombie just anymore. Gone. Yeah. Bruce Weber gets sued by a bunch of models. He settles a bunch of lawsuits and claims no responsibility, says he didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, we learn a lot about the Les Wexner and the Epstein stuff that, like, Les Wexner signed his fortune over to Jeffrey Epstein and let him pose as a Victoria's Secret scout, which that Victoria's Secret doc is fucking wild. Unbelievable. Yeah. But we also meet the new CEO of Abercrombie. Her name is Fran. This is when the rest of the documentary is an ad for the new Abercrombie and Fitch. And I don't care. (laughs) No, I don't care either. Because she's like, she explains that like they literally wiped the history of their social media. Like they started Instagram brand new and they started all this stuff. And and now it has evolved to become a place of belonging rather than fitting in. Whatever. I know. I do love that they say that Fran turned the lights on and the music down. Now maybe I can fucking go into one of those stores. She's focused on (laughs) listening to our customers. I know. Get it? Because the music's down. (laughs) Whatever. Shut up. (laughs) Honestly. What's it called? White, White hot. hot. Abercrombie, whatever. Yeah, so oh whatever, God. whatever. Whatever and Fitch. Hey, fam, come to Obsessed Fest 2200. People that just want to meet you and hang out with you and spend the weekend together. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. It's going to be everybody there. It's going to be panels and meet and greets and meetups and live tapings during the day, live shows at night. So many hangouts. There's LGBTQ meetups. Oh, There's fun. solo traveler meetups. I was solo just travelers, say that. please come alone. You're never alone at a TCO show. No, or you're event. with us. There's LGBTQ meetups. It's just everything. It's just friends meeting for the first time. Yeah, and you got your crime stuff. You have your not crime stuff. Totally. You have like Family Feud. Damien yes. and I are going to be on the team for Family Feud. That which is incredible. I don't know what that's going to entail, but I will be there on time. Uh, won't you join me? We're just yes. going to have fun. Karaoke and sing-alongs. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be great. ObsessedFest.com to get your tickets. Join us on the Patreon. Over 300 full ad-free bonus episodes to download and binge right this yeah. second. Yeah. Join the Facebook group. It's the True Crime Obsessed Podcast discussion group. Follow us on TikTok. Oh, right. Oh, what fam. It's True Crime Obsessed Pod on TikTok. We are creating three videos a day. You're going to start seeing videos from in the (gasps) booth on the TikTok. I know. Hi. (laughs) This is a real HD camera. I should prepare more. Oh, come on. You look incredible. Girl, what are we doing next? We are doing 48 Hours, The Mysterious Death of Casey Kasem. Oh, shit. It's an up-tempo number. Remember that whole thing? It's Casey Kasem. Oh, my God. This is is really (laughs) wild. This is a crazy ride. Oh, my God. All right. Well, stay tuned for the trailer for that. The outtake. Oh, my God. From this, we love you. We love you. Thanks so much for hanging out. Come to Obsessed Fest. That's all. Yeah, and hang out with us there. Yeah. Like, we'll be in your ears until you get there, and then we'll be in person, and then we'll be in your ears again. Yeah. That's not weird. No. Great. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. (laughs) If you are going to count down the American Top 40 family feuds, this battle would be number one. The honor of King David. I I am. I am. What person in their right mind Throws frozen meat at you, screaming biblical verses. To the dogs, to the dogs. There are always rabid dogs. It's so crazy and so weird. You're court ordered to be here today. They lie 
they cheat. Abuse is abuse. And they think that they can get away with it. Why does she hate us so much? Shame on these children. Shame. We have been stalked, tracked, bullied. It's not, none of what she says is ever true, so. They killed my husband. They killed their father. We have a friend who listens to this podcast. His name is Andrew Bradis. He's so oh, yeah. Hi, he's Andrew. so fucking beautiful. And he, I mean, truly, he's like inside and out, like a beautiful person, but like especially out. He's so hot. <laughs> and he was an Abercrombie guy. And he, he looks like it. Like he looks Those like eyes exactly. Of his? Yeah. yeah. Fam, go look Andrew up. Andrew Bradis. Look him up on all of the places because his Instagram is on fire. <laughs> gold chains are not acceptable <laughs> for men. Andrew would never have worn a gold chain. You know who flies in their private jet too much? That's not true. Don't even talk about her. That's not true. Well, your girl Taylor Swift is lending her jet out quite a bit, we're she hearing. Is. You know what? There's a lot happening in the world. She, she can't do everything. She can't do everything. God. The number one private jet user in the world. It was just, it was clickbait. I- Look, I am all about the environment. We got to stop with all of these emissions. Look, I know. you know how I feel about this. I know. But clickbait is clickbait. All right. Hey, listen, I'm not coming for your girl. Get out of here, baby!